Hi everyone, it's Joakim Akren, your host of the Elite Game Developers Podcast, a podcast about the entrepreneurs and investors who are building the games companies of the future. In today's podcast episode, I'm talking with Alexander Krug and Andre Krug, the co-founders of Soft Games, an instant games company from Berlin, Germany. In this episode, we talk about the founder journey from a small startup to having 100 people in your company, what instant games look like in 2022, and where the founders see their company going next. The dilemma at the heart of mobile gaming. Monetizing your great work while keeping gamers engaged and not distracted by intrusive ads. Well, our partners on this podcast have a very clever solution. AudioMob delivers in-game audio ads so that game developers can monetize their players without interrupting gameplay. Audio ads are better at retaining happy gamers than video ads and can actually work alongside video ads too. This is all the while having much higher CPMs than banner ads, up to 600% higher. AudioMob's Unity plugin is simple to set up. It can take just minutes, allowing complete privacy control, and you can even reward players for extra gratification. Simple, clever, and rewarding. Go to audiomob.com for details and to speak to the team. All right, we're recording. Hi, Alexander. Hi, Andre. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for the invite. Thanks for having us. Sure thing. We were just talking before we started recording that we're going to finally see each other in real life. First events, uh, Pocket Gamer in London. So that's going to be good. Let's see how, how crazy it gets there. Forward to this one, definitely. Hey, first question. Can you tell me your origin story and how you guys made your way into to gaming? I think we have to go back very far in time. Basically, it started like around 1999, 2000, where we're sitting together with my my good friends here in Berlin, and there were yeah developers, and they developed a lot of lot of awesome games in their spare time. But the problem back then was kind of nobody was able to play them. You would have to know the right people who were working in magazines so that you can put your game on a CD, which is part of the magazine. You know, it's hard as a uh, young guy to, to get these kind of contacts. So I had a fancy idea like, hey, I built a website for, for, for you guys, but at the same time also for other developers. And at the same time, I tested the games, I gave them feedback, what to improve and so on and so on. And over the time, this got more and more complex. Uh, so we had to set up uh, like an indie convention. We get booth on uh, Gamescom. I got an indie booth over there. We get an indie, uh, indie award, big corporations and so on and so on. So it was a really, really amazing time with uh, awesome people. I still knew some of them. So I've, over the time, I've learned a lot. Uh, and then when, when mobile games getting more and more popular on mobile games on feature phones, even then Vodafone kind of reached out to me for whatever connections back then. And they asked, Hey, Alex, we were in need of, of content for our website. Do you know somebody? Do you know, do you know the games? Do you know, can you can deliver us games? And I was like, yeah, sure, sure. I know a lot of indie guys uh, were developing games the whole day. So I'm sure they can do also mobile games for, for Vodafone. So I asked them, but unfortunately, my indie community was not really interested in moving to, to mobile. They were more into 
Worlds of Warcraft, you know, like this kind of stuff. Uh, unfortunately, they did also not, you know, not interested in also making money with, with the hobby. So I started to to look, okay, where can I get the, the games from? And I was uh, looking to work with talents from Eastern Europe, from Poland, especially. And I found one guy over there. This is his former company. Now it's like even where he was one of the founders is even listed these days at the stock exchange in Warsaw, which is pretty awesome. And um, yeah, that's basically was like the starting point of, of soft games. And yeah, as well, uh, my my starting point for how I'm, why I moved into to mobile gaming. So back in 2006. And then, yeah, 2006. So we started like beside this project for doing a lot of work for hire for local companies, local media companies, TV stations and this kind of stuff. And then luckily made the transition to own a piece very fast, which was good. And then pivoted into HM5 gaming in 2000. Uh, 11 so really really early days and yeah over the time we built our by far the largest HM5 games platform back then with over 30 million monthly active users and a huge catalog of HM5 games I think over the time we stacked up like over 400 um, games from different genres we sold this part to Azerion last mid of last year yeah because like we pivoted 2016 again but this time into instant games and since day one we had a yeah, unique relationship with Facebook, which basically also yeah, helped us to understand um, the platform from, from day one to give like a lot of feedback back to, to Facebook, what, what is needed, what, is, what has helps uh, to improve the platform and so on and so on. And yeah, I mean, also like, like this, you know, like currently we're 100 people working on next generation of instant games while we have Bubble Shooter Pro, one of the largest games on, on instant games these days. So Long history, 21 years already, which is amazing. 22 days, years, which is just crazy when you think about <laughs> What have been the top three most challenging situations for soft games? How did you manage those situations? And what, what did you learn from them? I, mean, I think like over the, you, know, you can imagine like 20 years plus there, we've been like a lot of, lot of situations like this uh, all the time. I mean, like uh, I said, like in the early days when we, when we had like the, the work for hire business, was always I think like everybody who is in the work for hire business can can say like yes I know this as well that you don't know does the next project come to finance next month I mean like that's always the big questions right so I think like the one of the big learnings what we had uh, since then is like hey you need your own IPs in order to control uh, to get the control and over let's say like the your your your, your revenue would say and that means basically you get uh, have like kind of like a constant revenue flow in there. I think this is very important. Then, like, let's say, like this, you know, like over the years, you know, when we like, like the starting days, let's say we had also like one little dispute, I would say, with uh, with Google, where we got our, our ads account was was blocked for for three months actually, which is quite a long time. And when you're from one day to another, realize, okay, hey, there's no money coming in for the last month and for the next three months. Classes will take a while until the revenue will pick up again. You have you realize, okay, hey, you have to reduce the costs super fast. You have to be lucky when kind of like put some or made some some kind of uh, build up some kind of savings over the last couple of, of years and months that you can survive over time. So basically, the the learning out of this one was basically building up building up savings. It's, it's super super important because like uh, from the one day to another, everything can happen basically. And then you're kind of like, all right, so you can close down. You can get a, probably get a credit or if you're lucky, you can just yeah, use the savings and hope you survive over the time. Also what we've learned over the time was um, stay flexible, especially after the Google thing, stay flexi- flexible, be pro- proactive. 
know, just act. It will not solve by themselves. You have to act. You have to be the one who is shaping the future of yourself and the, the company and, and also like being, being transparent. So I said, like after Google blocked us back then, we immediately briefed the team. We developed an action plan, how to survive in the next month. And we basically also like jointly agreed on, on cost reductions. Yeah. And after we went through this kind of hard time, the positive effect was that it bounded the team together instead of ripping, ripping it apart. And I think that was like the, the, one of the most important learnings. Yeah, uh, I think I can I can also add one one to this. One of the main learnings we also had, I mean, we did start with with a lot of interns in the team back then because of course we we were bootstrapped, we didn't have any money, and over the years we also learned actually, you know, at a certain stage it's all about the people, right? You can be super smart and you can try to do everything, but you cannot always do everything. You be overwhelmed. So you need to ultimately hire people who are smarter and better than you. And so you can focus on your strength. And it also pays off definitely to rather hire one senior guy who can really push you forward, where you can really benefit from, from his experience rather than three juniors or, or five interns. I think this, this was also one of the, the biggest, biggest learnings we had, especially in the uh, past five years. Thinking about like startups and challenges, it usually is. It's all about like confronting people, talking to people, negotiating, yeah. like pay cuts, new deals, funding. I think you just need the, the energy to do it, right? It's very, very dynamic. It's very dynamic. And, and I think this will, will relate to, to this dynamic market a lot of times today, especially when talking about instant games, because it's also very dynamic. Yeah. I, I wanted to hear about like more about the instant games. As, a, as an area of the game industry where you guys are operating, what are the lessons listeners can take away from you know, launching successful titles in yeah. instant games? I think in general, a, a big, big misconception about instant games is that you know, those are still those, those rather small, low-quality games, where, which they definitely have been when, when we started in 2016 compared to today, right? But nowadays, if you want to have success on instant games, you need to step up your game. You need to come up with a core, with an awesome core gameplay, basically, which is a super polished, which, you know, basically check marks all the KPIs you need in order to engage users, not just for five minutes, but also over a longer period. And therefore, you also really need to focus on it. So you cannot expect to do it on the sideline as a little side project. You really need a team to fully focus on it over longer course, because the longer you do it, the more you will learn. And this is especially true because as, as we just said, Facebook is such a dynamic market. It's a very relatively young market. It's a changing market. Facebook is constantly, especially with the IDFA depreciation, constantly improving instant games and the Facebook platform. And this is changing the rules on, on quite a regular basis. So you really need to, 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 to focus on instant games in order to have success. This, this I think, is, is, is most important. And then because instant games is built within Facebook, right? Users are playing on Facebook within the Blue app or on desktop or whatever. And you really need to understand this environment. So, and with this environment, I mean specifically all the unique features which come with it. So player invites, sharing, how does a newsfeed work? How does pinging your friends work? When do updates appear? When don't they appear? What is most effective? How do you I know, bring up um, click-through rates? Um, how do you kind of get this ball rolling? And especially, how do you build a community within this community? 
So there's really yeah, quite, a, quite a complex aspect there when it comes to instant games. But at the same time, once you have built up this, you're in this unique position that you can really grow your game, you know? And I think here, everything yeah, around instant games has, has, has so much potential there. So I think this yeah, is most important. When talking about the success, I wanted to also talk about the, the profitability of these games. Like, like, what is the approach for building a profitable instant game with like good monetization? And maybe, maybe even like, if you could elaborate, what does it take to build a game where you're doing marketing and that the customer acquisition cost needs to be lower than LTV? And how, how do you make that work in instant games? Most important is to, to familiarize yourself with the platform, right? And you mm. need to understand the overall market size. You need to understand what kind of, of, of games are available or out there. What are the player motivations to try exactly your game? So a lot of things you, you would also do on native to, to do a lot of research on your competitors as well, et cetera. And, you know, by doing so, you will actually find out that there's um, so many, so many similarities wow. Uh, with those native games on and, and instant games, and that you 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 basically also always need to try to to keep in mind that there is no installation and there is no download on instant games. You can instantly try a game. That's why they're called instant games. But this also comes with some disadvantages. So how will users, you know, come back to a game? How do you reactivate your users once you have acquired them? And this plays, plays an essential role when you do your calculation about, you know, how do you acquire users? How do you keep them? How do you re-engage them? And how do you drive virality of those users? And the downside you see are definitely that when you do user acquisition for, for instant games, you're constantly competing with other native games. You're constantly competing with other e-commerce advertisements. And it's basically like a constant challenge here. Yeah? But what can help you here is, is this, this power of, of virality. Can you talk more about the, the virality? How does it then work when you're playing in an instant messenger? It's important to understand that you know now that you have an instant game, you are now a part of this amazing Facebook social environment, right? And Facebook's larger gaming vision is here to enable their users to play, share, connect. And therefore your main goal should be to try to match this vision as, 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 as well as possible within your instant games. Therefore, a part of growing your LTV should be to grow your game pages and your community in order to easily retarget and also re-engage your users, right? So it's not only getting the users into your game with the lowest CPI, but it's, you know, mostly how can you re-engage them? How can you make them play again and again? And therefore, this, this community plays, plays an absolutely essential role. And furthermore, it's also like finding ways for people to share more meaningful content to increase the game's care factor, Within native, people are always talking about how can we increase virality, how can we increase K-factor, but instant games are embedded within this social environment. So it's much more easier to do so here on instant games. And we see this because there are instant games out there which are you know, being played by more than 60 million monthly active users. Bubble Shooter Pro is being played by 10 million users uh, monthly, unique users every day. So, you know, trying to capitalize and to, to leverage this, this social aspect on this, yeah, is key, I believe. Is it still like then the community, because you were talking about the reactivation through a community, is that re reactivation also happening on Facebook? 
Yes, definitely. Yeah. So, so when it comes to the community, to give you some example, we are actually like the instant games we're running, we're doing, those are fully fledged, either free to play titles or they're like what we call hyper social games, right? Which are kind of similar to hyper casual titles. However, the similarity is here that we're running live events on a weekly basis. Those games have weekly, uh, if not, you know, twice a week, updates. We have community polls, we test AB rollouts, and we also ask our users, what do they expect? What are they missing? What they like? What don't they like about the games? And we try to actively work here with the community because, you know, Facebook's vision has to match with our vision, which is this play, share, connect. How are you guys writing the playbook? For retaining these players. So to be com com completely transparent and, and, and also honest, re-engagement and also retention is much, much harder than compared to native. And it has always been an ongoing challenge for instant games. And it probably always will be because you're a part of you know, another app, basically. There is no single icon. You can easily access the game. You're always part of this ecosystem, depending on where, where it's going. That's that's definitely true. And, you know, it's, it's, it's also true that it's not only your instant game, you're not only fighting with other instant games for this limited resource, which is time of each player, but you are actually also competing with all the other subcategories within Facebook. So this could be Facebook videos, marketplace, pages, groups, um, newsfeed, et cetera, right? So this is quite a big competition which is going on apart from all the ads from, from, from native games as well. And so naturally, of course, re-engagement and retention is, is a little bit lower. However, Facebook and the instant games team, they're doing a, amazing job and there have been a numerous amount of improvements over the years especially since 2016 to minimize this effect and um, here to give you one or, or some examples could be there are now bot messages out there right bot messages are similar to to push notifications so developers basically have the option to send those bot messages to players who opt in. And um, these can be simple, you know, scheduled reminders featuring a string or an image or also some deep links with payloads, for example, to incentivize users with a gift to come back, right? So come back today, you get some, I don't know, some, some, some additional coins or whatever. And then as well to, to make rediscoverability outside of Facebook easier, you can also, as a developer, now create game shortcuts, at least on, on Android web. So it can easier or more easier find the game you already played. Yeah, so it's not completely hidden anymore. And you're like, ah, where was this awesome bubble shooter game from soft games, right? You, you, uh, you played last night. And then, then the other thing is that, well, what we already touched, like everything around game pages and community. So you naturally, once you're engaged within a community and people are talking about it, you will see it on your newsfeed. Right? And this will help you to re-engage with those friends again and also with this game again. And last but not least, there's especially this friend interaction. So the majority of players are actually playing together. The minority of players are playing alone. So either with some friends or some strangers in real time, you can now go into competitions. You can now check your scores you can compete you can you can taunt others you can invite others whatsoever 
And you also see this on your newsfeed. So I will see if Alex is playing a new game and I will see like, hey, Alex is playing, I don't know, another game from Soft Games. And this looks awesome because I know he's playing this game and I know we have the same kind of taste of games. And yeah, this, this, this already helps a lot. And in addition to this, also Facebook enabled now being able to, to run fully targeted re-engagement campaigns, like uh, ad campaigns for instant games, right? So I can specifically target users who have been engaged with Bubble Shooter, but maybe who have not played for the last 24 hours. So it's very, very similar to native. And I'm, I'm yeah, very optimistic this, this difference between native and instant games in terms of retention and re-engagement will further decrease to almost the point where it's, it's, it's almost the same. Because of course, those are different platforms, but this doesn't mean that the, the KPIs have to be much different here. I think one thing here is super interesting to me is the audience who plays these games. How is it really different from people who play the native apps, the games that you download from the app store? Something what we've seen, and I mean, this, this is pretty obvious, of course, because if you compare Facebook with, for example, like a Snapchat or a TikTok, a Facebook audience will be more mature, right? Because Facebook has been there for such a long time. Yeah. And so in general, the audience on Facebook is a little bit more mature. However, we've recently seen like an influx of, of younger users because also Facebook has understood that they need to step up their game in order not to lose the competition, yeah? not to lose this momentum of younger people coming in and everybody's going to, to TikTok, for example. Yeah. And, but however, I don't really think this is generally a bad thing because generally those, those more mature players tend to be very loyal while they're playing. So they're much less jumpy than younger players. And for example, like we launched our first Solitaire Tri-Peaks title more than three years ago. And today, actually, we still have a lot of players who started to play three years ago on instant games, even with the lower retention, and they're still very engaged, they're still paying, and they're still waiting for those weekly level updates every week, which, which is amazing. One of the, the things that, of course, now is very hot is the, the whole crypto gaming aspect that is coming. Do you feel that that could arrive into instant games? Because now we're seeing it in browser, in mobile as the platforms, because it, it sort of feels like a more fruitful area of the industry where you can do stuff with HTML5. You don't need to worry too much about what the platforms are freaking out about with crypto. What are your thoughts? I mean, like I totally agree, right? That's like a, a super exciting, super interesting topic. And we're definitely following it very closely as well. Right now, to be honest, we're not really sure if the platform owners we are on, like the instant games are basically running on right now are where they get the, the majority of traffic from, let's say like, like uh, Facebook and Snap and TikTok uh, will basically allow NFTs in the, in, the, in the short term. But I fully agree. For developers, it looks like a really, really awesome opportunity. And as I said, that's why we're also following the topic closely. But at the end of the day, it's it's kind of everywhere, right? It's like, a, like it's it's all about discoverability. So, hey, how who has the, the deeper pockets to spend on UA? And I think it's probably a lot because <laughs> it's so, I would even assume small target group. I'm not sure like if you ever try to play in like a, a crypto NFT game, play to earn game, what you want to call it, let's say. Yeah. But then the next question is, okay, how to retain the users, uh, how to build a hype around your games that, that the team value will increase and so on and so on. So, yeah. But I mean, like from our side, basically, if you would do um, look into look into the NFT or crypto world, I think it would basically go more towards the, the platform side. But I think even 
this train is kind of over probably. I think this is, might be even more yeah, valuable at the end of the day. Have you seen anybody yet from the instant game genre, any developers go into crypto? Interestingly, I mean, like we saw the guys from QuickSafe. I, I saw that they're kind of active as an advisor for for an NFT startup. That's what I what I saw. But I don't want to talk for them, so <laughs> we can yeah. ask them what what they think about it. But beside this, not not really. I mean, just like I mean, interesting. But I think like everybody is busy with, with the platform they're on. I said it. No, it's, it's a question of, of of focus. You know, if you say okay, hey, I saw a lot of mobile game developers who are moving now from away from the stores more towards like, to earn. I think the competition is much harder there so you guys now have this amazing games company for for several years grown to 100 people now for yourselves what what are some of the areas that you are interested in developing your own skills in i think like what what would be super interesting is kind of like changing side i would even say it you know to jump more into the vc world i think we're we're a bit active in as angel investors invested in your uh, syndicate or through your syndicate a bit, but basically like, you know, like putting together our experience of, of kind of like running and scaling a company from two people to over a hundred with all the up and downs. I think it's something we can definitely share with, uh, with the community out there, new startups and, and new entrepreneurs, which would be super interesting to us. And also like in, in the past, we had investors on board basically. And I think we just would like to do better, let's say like this, to really give, let's say more than just money, you know, at the end of the day, that I think would be something we'd be very interested in. How about your sort of leadership style and uh, develop, continuing to develop that? I think like the, the most important thing, like since, since the early days, I think what I've, what I've learned is like trust, trust the people who are around you, trust the people mm-hmm. you're, you're hiring for a specific topic. Because if you don't trust them, then, you know, you can just do it yourself and then it doesn't make sense to hire them, actually. Then also, like, give them the freedom because when you trust them, they can, they, they might know what, what they, they should do. So the freedom to develop their own ideas, that they can make mistakes, that they can learn from them, provide them with the right tools, the right, the right people in the right environment to do so. And yeah, make sure that they can focus on the projects instead of being distracted by other things. So just basically, like, I think the leadership is basically, like, you know, like focusing on the leading stuff and then that other people do there much better than what you might be doing. Like, I think I've been thinking a lot about this approach of the facilitator, the one who mentors the coach in the company. Do you guys think that leaders should be like coaches of these sports teams, sort of in a way? I think there's there's definitely like a difference between being being a coach and, and being a leader. General. So while like, for example, sport coach are usually... They're like solely on the sideline, right? While the team is out there and they are playing on the field and he's kind of watching and, and from time to time he's yelling, yeah, get the ball, get the ball. What are you doing? You know, no, yes, whatever. Right? But I think leaders in general, they should also be from time to time on the play field, right? Pass balls, give assists when scoring goals and get dirty if it has to be, right? If the team is asking for it or if there's a benefit. And from my side, I, I, I love to brainstorm together with the team. I, I try to help when I'm asked to help. And, and, and most importantly, I try to provide you know, the insights, the tools, the resources in order for them to, to achieve basically what is, what is required to get to the goal, you know, they, they want to they want to do. So I think there's this hybrid model, which at least works for me, I believe. Before we go to the final questions, I, I still wanted to ask about soft games and what you guys want to do next with the company, things to, to, to look up to in the years, Any, anything you want to share? Oh, absolutely. I think like for every game developer, the biggest dream which everybody might have is to create a game which is played or known by, by billions, basically. 
I think like uh, Rovio made this, you know, with, with Angry Birds, uh, King made it with uh, Candy Crush, and there are a lot of other examples basically. Uh, so like they, if like these days, everybody remembers Zinger's first games, right? So like Mafia Wars or Farmville and whatever. And like the the big, let's say, the goal that we have is kind of like to create this also for instant games that people were playing again, that they understand, okay, that they say, okay, Bubble Shooter Pro. Oh, awesome. I love this game. You remember that was the first game of Boom, you know? And that's something what we're kind of like, yeah, which is like driving us, you know, just kind of like, hey, will we be, will we, will we make it to create this kind of hit game? which everybody knows at the end of the day, which everybody plays all over the world. Trying to create a legacy. I think this is what drives us. Trying to, to make an impact. I think like this similarity, what, what Alex used with Farmville and Zinger, this probably hits it the best. Yeah, that's really cool. Hey, to, to the final questions, guys. What's your favorite book and why? I mean, I have to say like, I have like three little kids, so it's getting hard to, to read books these days. So I had to, I had to really dig to my head. I like, okay, what was the what was the book which really made an impact? And I, I was like, I went yesterday uh, to my my book corner, basically, uh, like uh, no, like book cabinets or bookshelves. I was like looking at this, and I was like, yeah, good to great from Jim Collins. That one was like one of the books I have read in my very early days where I had anything, let's say, and uh, it kind of like I don't know shaped the way how how I, I try to build the company at the end of the day. Now, so it's just all about like hiring the best people. You know, being as transparent as possible, focus, but at the same time flexible, you know, adjusting to the to the right time and so on and so on. So that's kind of like a, a book, but I would not say like my, my favorite one, but it basically had an, had an impact to how how I built the company, how we built the company over the time, basically. Yeah. And yeah, I, I just reread Built the Last from Jim Collins. I read it like 12 years ago and so good. He, he's definitely like the, the guru of management books. For me, it's actually, it's here, the hard thing about hard things from Ben Horowitz. And it's, it's, it's really about the, some, 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 some essential advice, basically also how to, to, to try, right. How to try to lead a successful business, deal with failures, which is very important. Also ask about honest, very important and transparent feedback from your team and yeah, generally go through, through challenging times. Uh, and then I'm also, I have to say, um, I'm a big fan of, of, of Lord of the Rings, uh, the books at least, because I think it really connects towards um, what we're experiencing right now, everything around the metaverse. I think there is some strong um, similarities between those. And yeah, very, very big fan of this. Do you have a story that shaped you in how you approach your work today? Also early days for me, at least very early days, basically I was sitting together with Henry in the office, we basically... We did our so we're about to kind of like hire our first interns and I had the the pleasure to interview them and to be honest I had no clue how to interview an intern so I just basically did it and basically after I hired our first interns I realized okay I have to follow my my gut basically and this is basically how I how how it still works for me today so if my gut says no I I don't do it or at least I I try to not do it as it always is you know that you you kind of ignore it and when you don't do this basically I always realize very fast that I've done it before but but yeah follow the, the gut feeling basically that's that's basically for for, for me how 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 I work basically in, 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 on a daily, daily basis uh, as well. Right. Like being very decisive about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. And for me, it's, it's, it's basically, it's, it's also 
I think a good, yeah, a good, good, good story is back then, like when we started with web-based games. So back then, XHTML, and uh, then ultimately leading to to HTML5 games, we were fully focused on 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 free-to-play games, right? And uh, we did not work with ad-based games at all. But it was also a very different market back then. So, and you know, this was 2010, 2011. Still, it was a market mostly dominated by, by the carriers, by very, very long payment approval processes through them. For each country you wanted to go live in, which you ultimately needed in order to, you know, monetize your internet purchase game. And anyway, so for our new game, yeah, we, we, we basically were waiting, going through this whole monetization process by getting those approvals from, from the operators and just just weeks and weeks and weeks passed by, right? And there was absolutely no end in sight. And during this waiting time, you know, we did not make any money. So we thought like, hey, what what, what can we do, right? And actually it was, was, was Elsa Alex who, who came up and said like, hey, let's just use ads. And we're like, no, no, it's not going to work. You know, our audience is not suitable for this. Like, how are we going to pay our bills? However, that was the only real alternative we had. So at some point, Instead of waiting and discussing more, we simply just did it and we integrated ads and um, yeah, results were stunning. And actually they were better than the, the, the inner purchase revenues. And furthermore, as a nice side effect, we st- suddenly had the ability to instantly distribute our game worldwide, right? Through uh, monetizing with Google back then. And we didn't need the country approvals anymore. We didn't need the operator uh, billings anymore. So this was the point where we switched uh, from inner purchase towards ad monetization and uh, suddenly had so many more opportunities just because we did it. So I guess the learning from this is exactly just do it, you know, rather launch fast, fail and iterate, than wait, discuss, think about dependencies whatsoever. Just do it, fail. But if you fail, fail fast and, and, you know, learn from it. and I mean, in our case, luckily it, it, it worked out and yeah, I'm still very, very happy about it. I think you guys have a really good philosophy there to, to not sit still, but rather like try out things because it's like, you know, thousands of experiments and, and you're progressing because you learn and you see what works. You only learn through failing. So come on. Mm. And that's, that's also the fun part of it. And that's why it we're is. doing it so long. Hey, final question. What's the best way for or maybe new entrepreneurs out there, people who want to con- get in contact with you? I think for, the best for both is uh, for LinkedIn. Alexander Krug, Andre Krug, uh, reach out there, write probably some words like, hey, listen to the podcast, want to connect, <laughs> we know what's going yeah. on, that we can connect. And then also, yeah, conferences, whatever it is at the end of the day. We'll be happy yeah. to meet more uh, new people. Sounds good. Hey, thanks guys. This was really good. Really good to hear your story and and how you managed to grow the company. It's been an awesome, awesome journey for you. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing you soon at the, the conference Definitely. next Likewise. week. <laughs> <laughs> Likewise. Awesome. Thanks a lot for, for, for making it. Yeah. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Take Bye-bye. care, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you like our content, please hit follow or subscribe to our show on your favorite podcasting app so that you'll get notified when next week's episode is available. And in the meantime, please go and check out our website at EliteGameDevelopers.com and sign up for our weekly newsletter on what's happening in gaming startups. See you next time, guys. Bye-bye.